0: Okay. Um we had our one week interlude with Pastor Amelia, so we're now continuing on be um, going to Luke and John, but I did get uh, an email question that got buried, and I apologize to the author of said question. And so I I wrote out the question right here, and I still have your couple other questions, and so please continue to bring on questions. Um, talk to Pastor Clemmer and he says uh, um, you know take your take your time. He always desires to teach also, but he says uh You know, since people are having questions, that's a good thing. Okay, the question is this. For 1,500 years, the Holy Spirit inspired men to write down God's Word. Why did the inspiration stop? Or has the Spirit inspired writing the last 1,900 years that just just isn't accepted or known to be Holy Scripture? It's a um, rather difficult question, actually. I mean, there's a number of aspects to this. I like the 1500 years because uh, uh, that that understands Moses, um, and then uh, and then um, all the way through, it's, you know, maybe closer to 1600 years through. Uh, depending on how you date the Book of Revelation, uh, through about 100 A.D. Um, we have, and I I, I say this: we have no clear word of God on this question. That's a, that's a wonderful thing for me to put because it lets you know that this is my opinion. However, it would appear for the surety of the faith. Remember, our Lord wants us to be sure. This is why he gives us his word, Old and New Testaments. And that's why, um, for example, the Gospel of John, we are pointed clearly what the purpose is, that we would believe in his name. That is the name of Jesus. Um, um, It it would, but without apostles to safeguard the the surety of the faith, it would appear that there's there's not the... um, the, the same level of surety if somebody else were to write something that's why books like uh, um, uh, first Clement and, and other books uh, did well of course did okay has a different history um, are not included in the New Testament however I would still maintain that the Holy Spirit still works in people it's just that 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 if somebody says the Holy Spirit tells me directly to tell you this we will naturally be skeptical of that right and right and and and, and rightly so. Okay. Now, now, from God's word, here's what God's word says, and, and this is a clear application of it. That that's much better. And I think the Holy Spirit is obviously still at work in his people. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would be in me as I proclaim Christ's word week to week. But but I would never say, and I don't think anyone else claims that that their writings are on the level of Scripture. And, and it would appear to be dubious that somebody at this time right now could write a writing that would rise to the level of Scripture. Okay? Uh, Did I answer the question? Okay. Okay, so so the next thing I wanted to do is uh, before I go on to the Martin Luther quote right here, is today's Transfiguration Sunday. It's a marvelous Sunday of the church here. Marvelous Sunday of the church here and helps, to help, uh, helps us to unfold um, the nature of the Gospels. I talked two weeks ago that the Gospels really... Are, are, are really heading towards the death and Resurrection of Jesus Christ, but I put up here where the Transfiguration occurs in each of the Gospels. Uh, it occurs in Matthew chapter 17. And there's 28 chapters of Matthew, so approximately 40 percent of the Gospel is after the Transfiguration. Mark is is almost dead in the middle. Okay, now I. Um, Mark nine one. It's in Luke nine, sorry, verse thirty seven. The today's gospel lesson, John. It's not applicable. It's not a subverted gospel. Um, but but there in the gospel of John, I, I, I would think the seminal, the, the pivotal event uh, you, you could put as the death of and death and resurrection of Lazarus, uh, because after Lazarus uh, uh, resurrection, then um, the, the Caiaphas, the high priest, says this. Jesus has to die. And, and so everything seems to move forward towards his death right there. Now I would maintain, now, now in reality, we have before the Transfiguration, Peter's confession at Caesarea Philippi, and then Jesus' first prediction of his death and resurrection. So, so I think that, though that might even be a, a greater fulcrum. But now everything's cascading down towards the crucifixion and resurrection. So if you just look kind of statistically, you see that the things are moving forward to Christ's death and resurrection. Why the transfiguration is so, so very important is because we see Jesus in his glory and his glory revealed, but then he hides his glory. Especially in the Gospel of Mark, he tells his disciples, Peter, James, and John, don't tell anyone about this. Today's Gospel of Luke, he just tells them, it uh, just says that they were silent on it. And then, um, and Jesus goes the way of the cross and, and it's very important to understand who's going to the cross is this glorious one. And put it quite simply, no Roman soldier is going to put a nail in a glowing Jesus, right? No, you, I mean, you, you don't do this. You don't do this at all. So, okay. Um, I did, um, before I continue on, I was... Uh, um, I think there's a marvelous quote by Luther as preface to the German translation of the New Testament. So I just wanted to share this with you. Are there any questions or comments before I start into this? Questions, comments? Like, a, like that one that was emailed to me, a couple questions about the, uh, the, who are these authors of the, of the books of the New Testament? I think I'll try to attempt to answer briefly some of those authors that we do not cover because we've been covering, uh, we'll cover John, obviously, Peter, we know. Uh, Paul, we, we know, but, but there's some authors who are or lesser. Um, for example, who is this Jude? Um, and, uh, and I think we've already discussed the gospel authors, but uh, we'll, we'll look at this, and then we have the unique question of the authorship of Hebrews that that I, I don't know. Okay, so that's a different question. And why I don't know versus the early church, um, quite often associating Hebrews with the Apostle Paul, I will attempt to answer that, okay? So this is from Martin Luther's preface. Um, so the question is, and this is Luther's words, which are the true and noblest books in the New Testament? From, from all this, you can now judge all the books and decide among, among them which are the best. John's Gospel and St. Paul's epistles, especially that to the Romans and St. Peter's first epistle are the true kernel and moral of all the books. They ought properly to be the foremost books and would be advisable for every Christian to read them first and, and most and by daily reading to make them as much his own as his daily bread. For in them you do not find many works and miracles of Christ described, but you do find depicted in masterly fashion how faith in Christ overcomes sin, death, and hell, and gives life, righteousness, and salvation. This is the real nature of the gospel, as you have heard. If I had to do, if I had to do without one of the other, either the works of the preacher of Christ, I'd rather do without the works than without his preaching. For the works do not help me, but his words give life as he himself says. Now John writes very little about the works of Christ, but very much about his preaching, while the other evangelists write much about his works and little about his preaching. Therefore, John's gospel is the one true, fine, and chief gospel and is far far to be preferred over the other three and placed high above them. So too the epistles of St. Paul and St. Peter, far surpass the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In other in, in a word, St. John's Gospel and his first epistle, St. Paul's epistle, especially Romans, Galatians, and Ephesians, and St. Peter's first epistle are the books that show you Christ and teach you all that is necessary and sal- salutary for you to know, even if you were never to see or hear any other book or doctrine. Therefore, St. James' epistle is really an epistle of straw compared to these others, for it has nothing to do with the nature of the gospel. About it. Okay. Now, um, uh, Martin Luther is, is indeed blessed, um, and we, we praise God for Luther. I, I, I put this quote, though, um, a little bit to dispute with dear Dr. Luther. Okay, because uh, um, I think that um, Luther understands the gospel quite clearly, and Luther's writing this in his preface to the New Testament in reaction to what is going on in his own life and in the and the catholic church at his time and so his reaction of 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 faith versus works um it it can be a little bit over the over the top um now i think it is very important for us to be a word-centered people this is absolutely the nature of it because god creates by his word god speaks his word and life comes into being god um is incarnate is the word incarnate in, in our lord jesus christ And now faith comes by hearing hearing through the Word of Christ. So the Word, and then I'll talk later in the book of Acts about this peculiar expression, Word of God and Word of the Lord in the book of Acts. Um, So God's Word is paramount. But I don't think we should diminish the miracles of Christ because the miracles have a purpose. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are not just filling time. We talked about Mark versus Matthew last week. and, And the other epistles have a value. I would suggest to you, Listening, um, I've been very helpful to listen to the latest issues, etc. Podcast on the Book of James, and and how and how do you James as a very gospel-centered book, um, and that's that's quite helpful for us. So, just want to put this out here. And but you notice right here, Paul's not doubting the canonicity of any of this. It's just a, a quote by 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 Martin Luther. I just wanted to share it with you and you um, for you to see kind of where Luther is coming from. Okay. So we did Matthew and Mark last week. Any, any questions or comments right now? Okay. Luke. We, we want to look at Luke, the Gospel of Luke. And, and kind of, the way I look at Luke, if I had to, I, I don't know, these titles, I'm, I'm forced to write them because I have one line, right? You know, so I, I write this. Jesus Christ, the crucified, risen, and ascended, Lord of all. Okay, now, who is Luke? He's an associate of Paul. Uh, but is uh, uh, the, the writings from the early church is that he's Jew from Antioch and he faithfully gathers information to write his gospel so that Theophilus would know the surety of what has he has been catechized into and the question of whether or not Theophilus is indeed a a real and because it means a, a Theo, God Philos, love, lover of God so in other words, that you... Now that you know that you are, and the, then the question is, are you loved by God or are you a lover of God? Is another, another question, uh, um, you know, how, how, to, how to work that. And so Theophilus, um, there's that, that, that question, then he addresses both Luke in the beginning of Acts and he talks to Theophilus. And so, so but the surety which you've been catechized into, and, and actually the Greek word right there is catechesis or, or a vari- variation of it right, right there. Luke um, is a marvelous gospel, especially when you place it with his second, I, I, I'm using kind of a loose terminology, his second gospel the book of Acts. Um, so Luke's gospel is the most comprehensive gospel in, in two ways. One, the time frame of Luke begins 15 months before the birth of Jesus with, with Gabriel appearance, Gabriel's appearance to Zechariah, and ends with the ascension, which is 40 days after the resurrection. And so that's a longer time frame than than the other Synoptic Gospels. And and John, you know, you do have the prologue that takes us back in the beginning was the word. But in terms of earthly time, Luke is the most comprehensive. Okay. Um, and then the second point I would make is Luke's Gospel is really really most comprehensive because it's really two parts. And and took taking me a little. It took me a little while to, to think about it. But but as I think, have thought about it over the years. Luke and Acts are really you know, two parts, and we'll talk more about this in the, in the, when we get to the book of Acts. Um, Luke is Christ's earthly ministry through his ascension, and Acts is Christ's earthly ministry from ascension through the gospel being proclaimed in Rome. Okay, so Luke has his prologue, lays out his purpose of gospel so that he knows his surety, and so Luke will have the most extensive description of the early life of Jesus and John the Baptist. You know, has the birth of each. We also have these theological songs drawn from the theology of the Old Testament, which, um, um, and and so you have Luke one and two, these these very sensitive chapters, and then uh, Luke Luke three, and then at the end of Luke three, Luke has a genealogy, and his genealogy goes all the way back to to Adam. Now, now this raises the, the the question of 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 Luke's intended audience. And that's a really difficult question, but um, sometimes people have said, it's quite simply, well, you got Matthew, and Mark, and, and John, gospels to the Jewish Christians, and Luke is for Gentile Christians. I, th- I think that's much too easy of an answer. Luke is concerned that all people know Jesus Christ. So Luke's gospel is intended to be read by Jewish Christians. Luke wants all people to know Jesus Christ, so Luke's gospel is intended to be read um, by those who from, come from a gentile or pagan background, so that they would know Jesus Christ, and and hence you have this uh, um, this Theophilus. And it's but um, I don't think I think it's a both and. Okay, now I, I could disagree. I mean, I think uh, uh, Dr. Doss, is. I don't know. What what are your things about about uh, Gospel of Luke? I mean, it's a it's a, it's a very difficult question. Go ahead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Asked, it's how Acts ends in Acts yeah. Right. And it right. Right, right. Th- right. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And there's, yeah, and that's a, we'll cover a little, a little bit more in, in Acts when we look to the very end of Acts. So it's kind of unique. Um, so Luke alone records the ascension. I think this is this is this is extremely important to understand. Luke leads Christ from from all the way from the, the prediction of John the Baptist's birth, all the way through the the ascension where he is the ascended Lord, and and it's, and that's something Pastor Clarence is going to be doing as he continues on the Gospel of Luke luke is unique with his travel narrative begins at 951 this unique verse where jesus sets his face to go to jerusalem it's very important to understand what what is he doing he understands the nature of 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 his ministry as in terms of n- the necessity to go to jerusalem to die and to rise again i'd say this long travel narrative um, luke's crucifixion account is very different luke's crucif- uh, matthew and mark crucifixion account very much accentuate Jesus' um, suffering, his aloneness, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the only word from the cross. Luke is the one that, that has, uh, um, has has Jesus both forgiving those who crucify him, but also, um, you know, and he turns the spirit over to the Father, but also is the one where he forgives and tells the, the one thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Okay, so it's a very different account of the crucifixion than matthew and mark but yet it's it's still part of the, i mean it's it's still the crucifixion of jesus um women are very um uh, prominent in the, in the gospel of luke and that's a whole nother study and pastor can cover that the Emmaus account in luke chapter 24 is very unique um how is jesus recognized is in the breaking of the bread and i, and I, I think this is, is hugely important for us as lutherans as sacramental christians to understand that that you cannot separate out the sacrament from our, our faith, and this is of course where we're coming out of a COVID, where uh, we're very much right now, we're we're a couple of weeks away from the two-year anniversary, and so for for many of us, myself included, you know, was 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 March, April, May, and so close to over three months, three and a half months before receiving the Lord's Supper again, which is which is you know. How do you drive a pastor back crazy? I mean, you know, this is, you know, I mean, because it's the church, right? And so, and so, and so this, this, this is a hugely important question because the the very nature of being a Christian and not being Roman Catholic in the United States of America means you breathe this evangelical air, which does not see the necessity of sacraments. As Lutherans, we see the necessity, the very nature of the sacraments as being integral. That is what it means to be a Christian. You know again my my flip thing is basically um you know understand no it's not flip At, you cannot read the new testament without reading it as the baptized you just cannot you got to see this is this is god's word to the baptized in christ and and not just and, and notice that it's a little more specific than to his church to the baptized in christ who are now eating his supper And so the the Emmaus account, I think, is hugely important in in that, as well as some of the accounts in in the book of Acts. It lost parables in in Luke chapter 15. And and, um, it's important to see that that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the scriptures. Um, And then you, you have Jesus expanding the scriptures to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And then Jesus also... Um, saying that all the scriptures point to him later on when he appears to the disciples in the upper room later on in the book, in, in chapter 24. Okay, um, I just gonna give this a kind of simplistic outline. Beg, borrow, steal from uh, Martin Franzman. Uh, um, there, there are other outlines to this. Uh, um, a prologue sets the stage. He has his ministry in Galilee. Um, travel narrative already broken down. The ministry in Galilee has different stages, the travel narrative, um, Jerusalem and Holy Week, and then the Passion, death, and resurrection. I put in parentheses Emmaus too, and then ends with his ascension, and um, and and it ends with the disciples praising God in the temple, which is a uh, um, uh, kind kind of an interesting point right 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 there. Again, making the point that Jesus is the uh, uh, is is true, the fulfillment of the Old Testament. But this gospel will be preached, as we see in the book of Acts, to the ends of the to the ends of the earth. Okay, um, and I know Pastor Clemens will be returning to the gospel of Luke, so so I didn't I don't want to spend a whole lot of time in the gospel of Luke. I'd like to go move on to the gospel of John right now. Any questions, comments about Luke, about the synoptics, about Jesus? Yes, Keith, go ahead. How did Luke get involved? What? How did Luke get involved? Like, how was he called? How does Luke get involved? He is, we know from the Book of Acts that he's a close associate of Paul, and we have these we sections from the Book of Acts, and uh, where where he spent extensive time with the Apostle Paul. He would have also spent extensive time um, in, in in the Holy Land, and 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 certainly invariably had contact with the other apostles also. And he, he is that he does tell us that he looked to and, and spoke to the eyewitnesses, and so he is he is he is writing as a as a as a true historian would, and, and historian it, it is kind of a weighted term because over history, the word historian's changed, but historian to write this, this uh, I don't want to call it a biography of Jesus because it's really more than that, but this good news about Jesus to, so that Diopolis would be sure of the faith he's been catechized into. So, does that, so he would have listened extensively to eyewitnesses, and of course Paul himself is eyewitness to Jesus Christ because Christ himself has, a, has appeared to Paul. It's almost um, as if, like, I guess an analogy to today's world would be he was like, he was almost the press guy who was following, or was reporting the events of yeah, it, it like Jesus' ministry, like a, like the press would yeah. be reporting on a Right, he, he's probably, yeah, exactly, so like a press guy, he's probably not as, in one sense, not as close as Mark was, because Mark, you know, is a, is a naked young man, um, but, uh, who flees away in the Garden of Gethsemane, but but he was very proximate and spent a lot of time, and and so he's very concerned that all would would know that Jesus Christ is indeed the, this this great crucified, risen and ascended Lord, and and to be catechized into it. And so and so we know he's trained as a physician, and so being able to. But he's also terribly well educated. You look at his nautical terminology in the Book of Acts, and he's very precise. He's in Greek terms that you would. See in those, and I mean, he's very precise in his language too. And it's a um, now, now it does raise a question. I mean, one one question on the, um, you know, that 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 Luke, Matthew, Mark, and Luke's. There are some times where the chronology is not quite the same, but but this, the, the purpose of this is is always to 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 bring together. More than just a biography, these are these are the facts. But to speak the truth about Christ, so that you would believe in Christ, okay. And so that's probably the best way of looking at it. But good, good question. I mean, I—that's best, best I can do. So, any other questions about Luke before we go into John? Yes, go ahead, John. Yeah. Okay. TV drama, but but it's, it's a really good question, and it's a, and it's a question of, of where, where Luke is and stuff like this. I mean, uh, um, I, I think uh, um, one, I, I don't, okay. I, um, it's a real good question. I, I don't want to go much further than that, that, that he would have extended. So so he would have, I think the key thing is that he would have had opportunity to spend extensive time in the Holy Land to be able to have conversations with the apostles, but we know from from first corinthians chapter 15 that there's 500 eyewitnesses to christ's resurrection there have been many who followed along with jesus and this why we were able to have matthias and so you probably would have interviewed others uh, uh, around there but certainly as many of the apostles as, as he would have been in contact with it's a, it's a i can't answer much much more than that i mean i i it's a uh, and of course i'm, I'm dating myself i mean there's there's so much going on here i i mean very helpful Probably not help on your level, but a guy named Bo Reiki uh, um, writes extensively on on the relationship of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and places Luke in a in a in a, a holy land context as he as he writes and he gathers the this. Okay, okay um, John. Okay, um, you can't read John standing up. Just can't. To the Florio, I mean, you know, how how do you read John in the beginning? Of course, we do that in church, don't we? You know, so Christmas Eve, we always stand up, or Christmas Day, we always stand everyone up. In the beginning, it was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then you got this, and the Word became flesh. He, he tented with us, and and we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only begotten of the Father from eternity. So, so how do you read John? I mean, it's this powerful, powerful gospel. Now, um, and and Je- John is one of the chief apostles, so. So, um, and his gospel is very, very different. So that raises the question of uh, of uh, does John know the synoptics? Um, is, um, and I, I would answer yes. Now, now, does he know the synoptics? And he is intentionally writing an entirely different gospel. That's, that's I, I don't I haven't really thought that one through yet. Um, but he's, but he, but John intimately knows. Jesus. I think it's very important. So this is why John has a has a ton of the writing. If you, I always remember looking at the Red Letter Bible growing up. Being amazed at how much red there is in, in the Gospel of John throughout the whole Gospel of John. Now Matthew has those five discourses, but John's Gospel is just filled with red. And so it's the quotes to Jesus. John, you know, just like Mark, does not name himself. You know, he just is the young man who flees away naked. John is the the disciple who Jesus loves. and appears to be the chief, the most beloved of all the disciples. And so he intimately knows Christ and he's now sharing this intimate picture of Jesus Christ with you and me and so that we would know Jesus Christ. Okay, now, now I think it's a mistake. Now, if you want to drive somebody crazy, um, tell them to match John's chronology precisely with Matthew, Marks, and Luke. Okay. It's very, very difficult. I mean, is that, I mean, Dr. Dossa, that, that, it's, it's, it's just it's just crazy, you know. So don't do it. Okay, read John on its on its own, but also read it with the others. And of course, this is the, this is what I, I suggest for all of you: is 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 both knowing all these gospels, but also reading each one like you've never heard the, the good news about Jesus Christ ever before okay now i did tell you homework to read the gospel of john is there anyone that has a question about john that that came from your reading from two weeks ago so any, any questions or anything that you notice in the gospel of john okay so let's just uh uh look at the gospel of john and and i was, I, I was um, by the way we, you know, we um thank you uh, we, we have a, been business for the last few weeks uh, dr andrew Doss, who who's uh you know uh, noted at a uh, scholar right right here um, and um, and so I was just talking briefly I remember reading several years ago you know where, where this article and I can't remember the kind of but but the article is basically about what is the structure of the Gospel of John and the article is basically an overview of 20 different 21 different authors 21 different, views because you have these outlines i gave like you these simplistic outlines you know 21 different outlines of the gospel of john so in other words it's, it's very difficult and i could probably add another one because i was listening to a podcast earlier this week about you know another person who read the who has written a commentary on john is listening to his views in the gospel of john this week so it's a it's a very difficult book it's like one of these things that it seems so simple you know um for for example chess is a terribly simple game isn't it the rules are simple right well, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. We have a game, I, I, my son Paul's here, we, we have a game uh, that, that um, we bought uh, called Tacos and Burritos, right? It says ages 8 and up. Is it 8 and up, Paul? No, not if you want to win. I mean, because it's a, it's a, it's a you're, you're trying to build your own taco or burrito and you want to, be able to have the best taco or burrito by the end of the game. But you've got all these cards, you can steal somebody else's entire burrito and, you know, when do you play these cards and how do you defend it? And you, It's not 8 and up. We're still figuring out this game, you know, because we all want to, you know, we've got our fangs out, we want to win, right? And so, and so eight and up. So John is his gospel. Terribly, you know, it seems simple, but the more you get in the gospel, it be, it's, it, it's very, very deep. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about the gospel of John because I also want to, I did want to go into the book of Acts a little bit. Okay. And the, John's gospel intentionally, um, in the best sense of the term, mimics... The Book of Genesis, and we, in, in in ancient the ancient world, um, imitation is is more than monkey see monkey do. I see a monkey just like you, or something like this. You know, I mean, where you just you just imitate somebody. Imit, mimesis is is not only it's internalizing and then putting it back back out. So the Gospel of John, John is is intentionally not only using the words of of Genesis one, but also pointing out. Um, read really the theology of Genesis and the promises in Genesis as he goes in, and this is the incarnate, this incarnate one is the one spoken about in Genesis who now is incarnate for you and me. And then we go through his entire ministry. Um, and so it, the, and so you can see this very intentionally in John 1 and 2 that, that Je- Jesus is bringing about a whole new creation. This is kind of a lens to view the gospel of John through, that, that, that this creator... The Word, in this fallen world, is now bringing about a, a new creation. And, and so, and how's he going to do this? He's going to do this ultimately by being glorified and glorified on the cross. And this is why the glory of Jesus being the cross is important to understand the Gospel of John. Okay, so Jesus is the Word of God incarnate. And then also later on in John 1 you have this very explicit words from John the Baptist, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now what did I say at the very beginning of this course is the most important background to the New Testament is the Old Testament. You just got to know the Old Testament. So when you hear Lamb of God, what do you think about? Passover. But you also think about the lamb um, for sin offering on the altar. So Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of of the world. Now, in the Gospel of John, there is Especially as Jesus goes to the cross, is very much Jesus in absolute control. And, and this is when you look at his ministry, you know, do not view Jesus ever in any of the Gospels as being victim Jesus. But especially the Gospel of John, he is the Word of God incarnate who created the heavens and the earth, and his ministry is going to the cross. He knows what he's doing the whole, whole time, and we know who he is, as opposed to the other Gospels where, where to an extent it's slowly being revealed to you and me. Okay. In Gospel of John, when the, the marks, uh, I talked about Jesus with women in Luke, but in John, is Jesus is one-on-one with with individuals—the woman at the well, the man born blind, um, uh, um, Nicodemus—and and so it's this one-on-one with individuals. Um, I already talked about extensive teaching, not found in the other Gospels, and and I believe that John is very much aware of this, but also aware of his unique position as being the intimate of Jesus to. To reveal Jesus so the Jesus is is the son who reveals the father and John's gospel is now revealing the son kind of this, this progression so that you would be saved and and have life in his name um, John tells about Jesus being both in Jerusalem and in Galilee and it's from John that and his three Passovers. So we understand Jesus is three to three and a half year ministry okay because if you look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's not clear how, how long this is. In fact, you probably can make a statement that it might theoretically be possible for Jesus to have a one-year ministry. But not so when you, when you match the Gospel of, of John. Okay, I already talked about the resurrection of Lazarus is very, very essential to understanding the theology of John. Theology of John. Listen carefully. On Palm Sunday, Lazarus is mentioned. And, and also, we, we have to understand that, that not only do the Jews want Jesus dead, they also want Lazarus dead. So we have to eliminate, we have to cancel Jesus. But to cancel Jesus, you're also going to have to cancel Lazarus. And so Lazarus' resurrection isn't just this one-time story. It's not like the widow of Nain's son in the Gospel of Luke. No, the resurrection of Lazarus is very key. The resurrection of Lazarus is also key because it's very important. Um, Um, because Lazarus was in the grave four days. And what does that mean? Decomposing. And I love the King James Bible. You don't want to do that, Martha says. He stinketh. Yeah, I always love the King James right there. He stinketh. And so, uh, uh, and this is of comfort to me. Of comfort to me. Because at one point in time, my flesh will stinketh. But in the last day, as we confess in the creed, he will raise me and all believers. And this is our hope. This is our joy. So, if Jesus can raise Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. What's He going to say in the last day? He's going to say, "Come forth," right? So, this is a joy. And, and of course, and, and of course, John is the the one gospel, especially where you see Jesus claiming to have the power to raise Himself. This is most prominent in the Gospel of John, really in the, entirely in the New Testament. You know, going back to the uh, the the temple and John two, and then later on. I, um, I'll raise I'll raise you up and I'll, I'll raise myself up later on in the Gospel of, of John. Okay, so uh, Jesus is glorified in his death. Very, we, we think in terms of earthly glory and this is, you know, the theology of glory pervades our world, pervades our faith. You just look at it, you know. This this past week, I, I, I you know, this is absolutely horrible what's happening in the Ukraine, right? However, however, Ha- Are there other conflicts in other areas? What is going on for Christians in Syria right now? What has their life been like for the last ten plus years? And yet, I mean, and I very much grieve for what's going on in Ukraine. But but it makes me think in terms of 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 this is gets, it hits a little bit closer to home, right? This is this is on European soil, you know. Okay, Syria, well, that's, you know, this is some um, country in the Middle East, you know. Uh, um, these these civil wars in African countries, oh, that, that's, that's Africa, right? You know, but the truth of the matter is, is that we don't like when violence comes closer to us, do we? Especially, we're, we're in the suburbs, right? You know, we like everything nice. This is the theology of glory. And and, and Pastor hits the, the, the point well in his sermon, we we like to think in terms of this life being picture perfect, but it's not. We are filled with sin, and so in the Gospel of John, it's very important to see that the glorification. of Jesus is the glory of the cross, and and that's 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 important. Now, now we don't want to diminish the resurrection. You know, when I when I when I uphold the death of Jesus, I never diminish the resurrection. It's a whole other topic about how so often. The resurrection, of Jesus Christ, has been diminished. But if you look at the preaching in the New Testament, especially in the Book of Acts, you see the preaching of the resurrection of Christ, and that's a that's a whole nother another topic I, I want to get into at some point in time to see the importance of the resurrection of Christ. Okay, um, John does not uh, his Last Supper has a discourse. He does not have the 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 Passover meal. Um, the miracles and teaching of Jesus are very different. Um, in fact, he does not use the word miracles as much as the word signs. In other words, these are, are signs that point to Jesus as, as the incarnate one who is the fulfiller of all scripture, who brings about a new creation. These are the signs of Jesus. And then John has this very famous quote. Um, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have what? Life in his name. So everything I wrote for you, then then at then at the end of the Gospel of John, he says, I could have written much more. Could have written much more, okay? And so, but why are these words written? So when you go back to the Gospel of John, you know, why have the story of the woman in the well? It doesn't look to it's not as spectacular as Moses part in the Red Sea, so why put it in a Bible story book? No, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. And so all the words of John all together work very well together so that you would know Jesus and who he, he is. Um, got like three minutes here. Uh, talk about the gospel of John. Obviously, I'll talk about the book of Acts next week. How's that sound? You know, i and I, I, terribly excited about the book of Acts. Acts is a very, very uh, fun, fun book to read, especially when you read alongside of Luke. So, so your homework this week, you want to do it, Get your cup of coffee, your hot chocolate. You could even have a glass of wine, okay? Not two or else you're not going to read it too well, okay? Okay, okay. Read Luke Acts like you're reading a, a, a novel. In other words, read them together. Just read Luke Acts as close together as possible. It, it's just like, wow. Okay. This is, it, it's actually a tremendous experience, and, and it'd be very helpful to read Luke and Acts together. Okay. Um, and I, I don't want to give you much more, so I want have you just read it, then, then I, I, I'll speak more about because there's a lot of things about the structure of Luke and Acts that are parallel, stuff like this. But John, any questions about John, Luke, Mark, Matthew, Synoptic Gospels, Transfiguration, Church here? Okay, um, no questions? Okay, yes, go ahead. What? good I did it two weeks ago Okay, yeah I did Matthew Mark I, I just all, all I do is I, I have this uh, big document and so on um, or a big outline and I just that uh, and and it's and fit nicely neat on two sheets of paper so it's uh, um, a yeah, so so and by the way I think this is one of the one of the and and I'll give my little commercial here because I have the stage right here why I advocate for a three-year lectionary cycle. Many Missouri Synod churches, many of our fellows, especially liturgical churches, like the one-year cycle. But I love the three-year cycle um, for, for two reasons. One is you're exposed to more of the Word of God. Okay, Now this, this Iva sees in conjunction with your own study of Scripture. But number two is you're able to see Gospels as differentiated from each other and see a, a, a more fuller picture of Jesus. And, and, and thereby, you know, grow in, grow in Christ. Uh, um, you know, I, I'm, a, have, I'm a fan of a, of a man named Stephen Ambrose. Anyone, anyone read any of Stephen Ambrose? You know, he wrote a lot of books about World War II. But he, he, but he can write two different ways. He can write an upper level view. This is what's happened strategically. This is why Eisenhower did this. This is why Patton did this. This is why Montgomery's doing this, right? But then they also write, you know, this, this book, for example, Citizen Soldiers. You know, on the on the ground. And uh, what's the life like going that and uh, and many of you might have seen the um, what's that mini series talks about the, the the easy company? What's Band the of brothers? Bander brothers, you know, it's based on Stephen Stephen Ambrose. So it's kind of the ground, what's it looking at like? And so um, so having more than one gospel is very helpful to really see Christ and, and all that he did for you. So I love reading each gospel individually, but but then also Looking at totality because it is all one Jesus. So it's all the same Jesus. So it's not competing. There's no such thing as competing theologies of the New Testament. It's just aspects of the theology of the New Testament that as as we are um, looking at, so we would all glorify Jesus forever and ever. And this transfigured Christ, the good news is, is you can see him in his glory forever and ever. And his promises are sure to you today and always. Okay, I sufficiently used up my, my allotted time, so, so. But if you have any questions, again, I had a great question that's emailed to me. I'm sorry, I, I lost my email, but email, call me, you know, because we have a couple more weeks of this. You know, what are some things that would help you? This is why we're here in this class. You are blessed to have this thing called the New Testament. And all these words are precious, so how can I help you so that when you read the New Testament, you have a fuller understanding of the New Testament, um, so that you would grow in your in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So please email me. Thank you. God bless you.